Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, um, it was a hot day today um, at the practice fields at LSU, and it was practice number eight for LSU football as they prepare for the season. Florida State is now three weeks away. Well, I guess a little over a day, three weeks and a day away. And again, I was out there at, at practice and a lot going on, but I did want to start off by saying I think it was the best day for the passing game of the eight days at camp. That was the main takeaway of me. And then, you know, talking to everybody else in attendance, I was like, yeah, these guys are, yeah, they, they, the receivers were able to get separation. The receivers were able to catch the balls. Uh, Daniels and Nussmeyers had a great um, day throwing the ball, I think, accurately on time, on target. That was my biggest takeaway uh, from today's practice. And uh, I also want to say Malik Neighbors continues to look just incredible. Like we, we talked last year about maybe seeing some of the question marks in Kayshawn Boutte's game and Kyron Lacey's game last year. Um, there have been no such question marks with Malik Neighbors this year. He is phenomenal. He is catching everything. He brings an edge to him every practice that I love. So that was the practice that I needed to see from this offense because I've been – not vocal, but I've been saying I didn't think that they were having a tr- great practice practices uh, so far. I thought the secondary was actually doing a good job on them, but – this was a really good practice for them, and uh, that's where I wanted to, to start off this podcast by, by saying. You know, I think it's one of those things, too, where I can remember even another – that was last week. When did they get into that – the scrum or whatever, yeah, and Kelly week. sends Malik Neighbors and Lacey to the locker room. Literally 10 minutes before that, Malik had the best catch I saw at camp. Like, caught one, one-handed. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been Zy Alexander was, like, tied to his hip. 40 yards downfield and he just got separation at the end, caught it one hand, got his feet down, you know, gets up screaming about, you know, I'm him basically. And he is. And I think that like you wrote today, Chris Hilton, one of my favorite guys on the team, you jump seven foot again. I mentioned this last week in the podcast. This is a kid who jumped seven foot in the high jump as a freshman in high school, like kids in Texas in six a are trying to touch seven, you know, are hitting seven foot as seniors to win state. And Chris Hilton was doing that as a freshman in high school. He was a jump out of the gym basketball player at Zachary. He just hasn't been healthy. And that's no fault of his own. I mean, they're, he's just run into injury after injury the past two years. Now he's in year three and he's healthy. He was healthy in the spring. Now he's healthy in the fall. And you wrote, he just torched multiple very good LSU DBs for touchdowns in the scrimmage or in, I guess, Saturday's practice. Yeah, And he is the number four receiver on the team right now, or, you know, he's behind the older, you know, well, some are his age, Brian Thomas, neighbors, yeah. uh, Kyron Lacey. And now you've got Aaron Anderson who transfers in and certainly has a role as kind of a, a very speedy guy who, when you get him into space, he's dangerous, but Hilton's a big kid. It's not like he is a, you know, five, six slot yeah. receiver just runs fast. When he's healthy, he can roll. And you toss in all these freshmen they just signed, uh, you know, Shelton Sampson, Kyle Parker, and Brown, and Preon, and you've got now Ibietta and Hilton, and um, if I'm missing anyone else, I apologize. Yeah, you, named, you named them all pretty much, Aaron Anderson. It's uh, a deep 
room. It's it's not like the deepest receiver room in the country, but everyone is super talented and everyone belongs on LSU's roster. And I guess this was my long-winded way of saying there'll be games where it is so tight and they'll need a third and seven to hit. And you're just like, they Malik's got to get open. Like that will just be the answer or it'll be third and 12 or third and 14. And Malik just goes down and makes a play. And I've seen it already enough in fall camp. And we saw it last year when Butte wasn't who Butte normally was coming off that injury and just kind of in and out of the, the rotation and all of that uh, of the lineup, not even playing in some games. Yeah. Neighbors goes for over a thousand yards. He didn't skip a beat and he did it as a sophomore. I don't, I mean, it's like, Oh, the, the SEC is on notice. Every corner is going to want to, you know, knows he's coming. They're going to put their best guy on him. I don't think it matters. He's a first round pick. Like he is an absolute dog. And when they get into some tight spots this year, he's going to need, need to bail them out of it. Yeah. Uh, flipping over the the secondary where a lot of people want to talk about um, having, you know, up and ups and downs throughout camp, whatnot. Um, I was actually, again, like I said, pretty high on the secondary coming out the first week of camp where I thought, for my expectations, they held their own. Um, I feel really good about the secondary room if Greg Brooks is healthy um, because then you have Brooks, Burns, and Andre Sam, three guys who I like a lot. Uh, and Brooks can kind of rotate down to nickel if they need him. Sage Ryan doesn't have as much on his plate if that's the case, which I like. But the cornerback spot in particular, we have reached a point where we are eight practices deep. We're three weeks away from, from game day. And it's still Zy Alexander, and it's still Deuce Chestnut um, starting at corner. And it's not Denver Harris that has become the third best corner, the third most trusted corner in fall camp. And it's not even LaTerrence Welsh. It's Ashton Stamps, who is getting some run with the first team, getting a ton of run with the second team. And this is a guy who was a three-star prospect out of Louisiana. We saw him in camp in 2022. Um try to earn an offer and he did and he committed and you know a lot of people I, I think he he went up against uh, Shelton Sampson and Catholic uh during the season last year I remember watching that he had some good reps there as much as you loved him in camp uh, as much as I you know respected him and I thought he he had long-term potential nobody expected him to step on campus and potentially be the third best corner in the room, or at the very least a second team corner right away. Like that's been one of the biggest surprises of camp. And it's think about how much different he looks right now than he looked when you saw him at that first summer camp, when he was going into his senior year, I think he's just put so much work into not just his game, but his body over the past year. And even more so getting here this summer, you know, he didn't have that kind of, was he? A, I don't think he was a spring guy. He was here this summer. Rumble guys, I don't think typically come early. Uh, I don't think he was there in the spring. Was he? Gosh, now I'm trying to remember. I don't think he was. I don't. I don't think so. Him and Kylan Jackson weren't here. Uh, let me pull up that chart here. Well, either way, Go ahead. he's completely. He doesn't look like a freshman. He looks like a kid who's been in the program a couple of years, uh, or at least a full year. I think that's a big difference too. That's allowed him to get out there and start taking these reps. So. I'm not going to say I'm going to be surprised if he's playing some ball early on, um, but I do think at least it shows that, hey, this is a guy that some recruiting services had as one of the lowest ranked kids that LSU signed, but that's just what Louisiana is going to give you. If you can evaluate it and go out and get kids like Ashton Stamps who want to be here and want it, uh, I think that's a big, big, big piece to 
kind of the puzzle uh, beyond just Louisiana churning out top 100 prospects or whatever it might yeah. be. I uh, was he was he not here? No, he wasn't. He was not here. He was not here in the spring. So that says a lot then. Yeah. Because he's now doing all of this off of two weeks of fall camp. That's his first two weeks of practices with the team. And that means you're, like you said, in high school, there, his game of the year was getting to go up against Shelton Sampson. Shelton Sampson is on this team right now. Like Going up against him would be like the sixth hardest guy. Like There's yeah. five or six guys above Shelton who've been in college and are much more developed and know what to do on the receiver side than a guy who's a freshman two weeks into camp. And for Stamps to even – be out there repping with those guys, uh, I think it's a really big deal. You did say that uh, Mason Smith went down. They helped him out. He walked off. Doesn't sound like anything major there. I know that nobody's beyond J.K. Johnson has gotten run into any big injury concern. Yeah. Um, Mason Smith is on the short list of guys you cannot have injured. So any no. thought there? Yeah, that, that was very concerning because it was at the end of practice and he went down and then they immediately moved – you know, they did how they do the 11 on 11. They just moved them down like 20 yards and then kept going. And Smith was helped off the field. And then I was encouraged that he didn't go to the tent. He didn't leave practice, even though very well could have with, you know, 10, 15 minutes left in, in on the day. Um, he went back to the sideline like he like took a lap almost and then came back to the sideline and had his helmet off. You know, just he walked right by me and he just looked like kind of angry, but didn't look like dejected in the way that I'm sure obviously he was last year. He looked OK, but that was definitely the scariest point of the entire fall camp was seeing him go down because that is a player they cannot afford to lose this year. Last year, they couldn't really afford to lose him. But this year, um, as much as I like the depth that they have, uh, he is such an important piece of what this defense is and can be they really cannot afford to lose him. Like that is an all SSU first team talent there. So um, yeah, he was okay. Um, everybody else. I mean, Greg Brooks uh, didn't practice today, even though he practiced earlier in the week. So we, we don't know hundred percent what his situation is. Yeah. We saw that in the spring too, that he would be like, if he was banged up, he would just be off for a day and then he would yeah. come back and play. So they're probably taking it easy on him. Yeah. So um, everybody else though, I, I think is in pretty good shape at this point. I haven't seen anybody else that looks like they're going to miss any extent, extended time. I did want to ask you, because uh, this is, you were at Saturday's practice. I was covering DeCorian Moore's commitment, a five-star receiver out of Duncanville uh, who announced kind of right as practice was wrapping up. Uh, but you talked about some, at least some one-on-one -on -one individual matchups that happened uh, and getting to watch Harold Perkins and Will Campbell's always fun. They're elite as can be. And yeah. Campbell can win 30% of those reps. And you consider that a, a W if you're just like one-on-one -on -one with Harold Perkins trying to stop him from getting by you. But you did say that Wingo and Wiggins, uh, or excuse me, that Womack and Wiggins uh, both got some wins. Those are two guys that have been playing D end behind Savion yeah. Jones and, we're both on board with Savion Jones as being a breakout year candidate. Everything looks like it's coming together for him. He's going to start. Are we getting any better feel yet for what two other former five stars in Wiggins and, and Womack, who are both very quality players, kind of what their outlook might be given? I think a lot of people are just like, well, I'm cool with Savion Jones starting. Sure, he's the best one and all that, but what is? how do you get those other guys involved? Yeah, and Quincy Wiggins, I don't think he's had a great camp. I don't think he he's jumped off the page or uh, off the off the field like at you when you're watching for the most part. Today, I do think was one of his better days. Uh, like you, like I said in the, in the story, 
he won a few one-on-one reps against some starters, against some second-string guys that you want to see him start winning more frequently. And whether that was last year, uh, whether it was spring, but now in the fall, he didn't feel like he had the array of moves that can really create that um, advantage that you need as a defensive end. Now he's as athletic as hell. He's incredibly quick. Um, you know, he's a great athlete, but you want to see him start to build those pass rushing moves out a little bit more. He was always raw coming out of high school um, and kind of just relied on his size, which is tremendous. But now you want to see him start to put it all together. And I think he is going to be able to do that this year. He's not going to be um, as good as Savion Jones, but I think he'll be able to step in and play a significant role for this defense as a backup defensive end. And if they rotate the defensive line, which I expect them to a good amount, they'll be um, he'll be in there a lot, quite a bit. Deshaun Womack, I know some people are like, oh, he hasn't done anything in fall camp, or he's been you know hasn't been winning as many reps as people will think. I look at it as a freshman that is getting put in a situation where he's trying to where they're playing him at two different positions basically. Like they're putting him at defensive end. And then and then you'll watch practice and he's not with the defensive ends, he's with the Jacks and he's going back and forth and you kind of wish they would just decide on one position and put him there and just let work him there for at least the fall camp and maybe move him later but um no, I, I think the upside with Deshaun Womack is evident. I think it's obvious and uh I don't look at him the same way I look at Quincy Wiggins. Um, I think he very much is a technically skilled pass rusher that's probably just figuring it out at this point of fall camp. So that's how I see that kind of group just kind of working out right now. I will say Ovia Gofu has gotten better as fall camp has gone on. That's a jack. Line. He's your jack starter is what we presume coming in from Texas. And he signed and played with Brian Kelly and Notre Dame before Texas. So he's been around the block. He knows what to expect. I'll say this on Womack, and I would posted this on the board and this is straight from my eyes to your ears here. Um, I, you know, this is my opinion, but I saw it happening. And I know the reality of it. Right before we got on, Matty B, you said, uh, like a, I mentioned, I've been covering the Duncanville kids all week. Matty B handled the last two practices. I'm in the AC. Matty B got on uh, after Saturday's practice and said this was the hottest day out there. And that's saying something because we've set a record in Baton Rouge for consecutive days over 100 degrees Feels like it's always about 115, 120, it seems, out there. Yeah. Deshaun Womack's from Maryland, and he was out all spring because he was recovering from a shoulder surgery. Now, you can run all you want this summer and get conditioned and everything, but you're doing it basically in underwear. I mean, yeah. put on all the pads, go out there and go full speed and fall camp in your first ever college camp. And Womack, even this past week when I was at practice, yeah. he came off at one point and was like, I'm dying. And all the Louisiana kids are sitting there laughing at him. Like, you'll be fine, man. Like it's going to take a while for you to get used to this. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, pouring water jugs down his back and covering him in towels. And after a few minutes, he's like, okay, I'm fine. I can go back in now. They're just doing that. I mean, that's all day yeah. for two straight hours every day until the rest days. So I'm not surprised that he doesn't look like the guy on film in high school right now, because He's having to get used to a completely different element. Now, after a month of that, he's going to be in a lot better shape than he's ever been in his life, and it's going to set him up well. But right now, especially when we get to these team portions of practice, you're talking about he's already been out there for an hour and a half in 110-degree heat. And as a true freshman coming from the Northeast, it is just tough to get adjusted to that. Yeah. Um, I won't go position by position, but generally – 
if we look at, you know, what I've learned or what we've learned from fall camp so far, as opposed to what has stayed the same, I think as far as what stayed the same, the running back position is still very much up in the air. We still don't have any answers there. Um, I think offensive line depth, I asked, I asked Mike Denbrock about that and he was like, that's going to be a minute. Like he kept saying, that's going to be a minute. That's going to be a minute. And so offensive line depth, still a question mark secondary slash corner, I guess, still kind of a question mark. But what I will say is when you look at this defense in particular and you look at, all right, this is how the secondary could potentially work out. The more I look at the secondary, the more I think this team is going to need Harold Perkins and Omar Spades to be all SEC level. Like, I just think it's going to come down to their versatility their impact in the run game, their impact pressuring the quarterback, because Omar Spates can do that as well. And how Matt House maximizes what he gets from those two linebackers in particular. And then you throw Greg Penn in there because we, we like Greg Penn and he will play a lot. But what he gets from that linebacker group has to, I don't want to say mask because I don't think the secondary is a total deficiency, but it, they have to, outweigh kind of the question marks you have in the secondary. Those guys have to be all SEC caliber if this team is going to get to where it wants to be. Because I I know what I'm getting from the defensive line for the most part. Like I I, I know what I'm getting from Wingo Smith, Jones, Gofu slash Swinson. Like it's those linebackers that are the biggest question marks to me. And that's not a bad thing. That is those are two potentially all Americans playing at linebacker. And if they can maximize their potential there that's um, going to set them up really well for the rest of the season. So that's that's my biggest thing from watching, you know, what is it, six, seven practices uh, so far this fall. Well said. I agree completely. I like how you laid that out as well. Um, okay, let's close out here because we were kind of yeah. just doing a quick recap yeah. of, like I said, Matty B's thoughts, some of my thoughts on practice this week. It's another week. It's another week where people might be listening and say, okay, the podcast is almost done and you haven't mentioned Denver Harris. And Denver right. Harris – was a five-star coming out of high school. He was the top cornerback. He played on North Shore, and they're one of the best teams in the country. He goes to AM. He's a midseason All-American as a true freshman. Looked phenomenal at AM uh, the first half of the season. Gets suspended by Jimbo, he and a handful of kids. Doesn't play the rest of the year. Transfers to LSU. All offseason, we said he's the most talented one that they signed of the four. He's getting third team reps and at times get some second team reps. And I've called it dangling a carrot in front of his face to make sure that he's got to want it. He's got to buy in all those things. I'm not going to ask you about that. When you see him, does he look like Denver Harris that you expected? Or are there some spots where you say the guys in front of him are playing better than he is? I think he's still the most talented addition that they have. I think he's the most talented cornerback they have. And, Today he made a nice pass breakup um, in man coverage. Ricky Collins threw the ball, and he he broke it up on a nice play. But then two days ago when we saw him, he got chewed out by um, Coach Steeples uh, for, I don't want to say busting an assignment, but you know maybe not executing the way he wanted him to. So I feel like that's the problem right now is the execution part of things. Now at AM, it was more so they left him on an island and just kind of said, you know, do whatever you can do, do what, do what you do, because he is so strong and physically mature and talented as a young person that that's what Anna wanted. I don't think that's what this team needs. I don't think this team is comfortable putting anybody on an island right now. 
And we've seen them work a lot of zone. We've seen them work a lot of different stuff with the the cornerbacks and safeties. I just think he hasn't quite picked up on it as fast as they wanted him to. And he's not performing at that level right now. And that is, it is a concern because I think I've said on this podcast before, it's like we expected Denver Harris to come in and even if he's not an all American, he is your best corner. And he is able to, like I said, do what he did at AM and just kind of take a receiver and limit his production for a game. They don't have that right now. And so we'll see if Denver comes around. I still think he's very talented, but I've seen too many missed, missed assignments, blown coverages, missed, you know, he's not executing at the same level. Um, that's the biggest concern right now is that he's just not quite um, at that level. And it might take him four or five weeks or something in the season to get there. I think at some point, though, he's too talented to just not help this team at all this year. That would shock me. I agree. I agree. Well, um, another week down, one more week to go. Uh, and then they'll get back to school and normal practices and the season. So we're not too far out. Yeah. And no media watching the practices. That's right. No okay. more sweating out there for two and a half hours. But hey, shout out Brian Kelly. for. We've never had a fall camp where we just got to watch almost every single practice for the entire time. So it's been nice. It's very weird. Um, I, I, last thing I'll say, it's you start to understand how the coaches – because as fans and as media, you're always like, man, coaches get to see these guys two and two hours every day. You know, how, how do they not see that X is better than Y or that this and that? There's It's not enough time. Two hours is, is not enough time, man. There's so much to cover, and that's so much that these guys try to cover. Um, it really is something to watch. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, again, as always, if you're a subscriber on the Bengal Tiger on 3, you can post on the board – uh, me, Shay, we're always very responsive uh, to your questions about camp, your our daily updates. We give the, we give them every day, and uh, yeah, just let us know what you think. So, if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, uh, leave us a like, comment, share, and subscribe. If you're listening on the audio side, leave us a five star rating and review. Uh, we'll be back later in the week to update y'all on fall camp, probably recruiting as well. Now that Billy's back from Maine, and yeah, till then, we'll talk to y'all later.